Good evening. So we sang that at 6.15. The invitation song is 9.02. So I don't know what's so funny. <laughs> uh, you know, Paul went till midnight at least once, so. Uh, yeah, amen to that. Um, all right, so last week um, we looked at some of the major themes of John's love letters, uh, with love being one of them and the deity of Christ being the other major theme. Uh, we briefly touched on one of the major reasons as to why John had to write this, um, these letters so much about the deity of Christ, uh, and that was the growing influence of Gnostic doctrine. Uh, tonight we're going to detail Gnostic theology so that we can better understand the need for John's instruction, the need for his letters, both in the day in which they were penned, but also for today as well, because it is still an important uh, aspect that that exists today in some capacity, but um, as we talked about this morning, there are those who deny the authority of Christ, deny the authority of the Word, and of course one of those ways in which the authority of Christ is denied is in this Gnostic doctrine uh, that we're going to talk about tonight. Um, and as I promised last week, which I know everybody is pining for, is the outline of First John, um, which will also serve as our structure for... Um, our sermon series as we get into First John as well. So let's talk first about the doctrine of Gnosticism. By the way, Gnosticism is spelled with a G, G-N-O, uh, S-T-I-C-I-S-M. Um, in fact, if you just take the first three letters, G-N-O, um, you can kind of, at least this is how I remember it, Gnosticism um, comes from the word um, gnosko, or genosco, um, and today the G is silence, um, but it means to perceive, observe, or obtain a knowledge of or insight into. It indicates a, a personal and true relation between the person knowing and the object being known. And so the teaching called Gnosticism is basically based in knowledge. Gno, no, knowledge. It's a good way to remember it. Um, and so this, this Gnosticism slowly developed over a period of many years, and I would say it's still developing in some capacity. And in, in John's time, uh, Gnosticism was in its very early stages of being developed. And from what we understand of church history, Gnosticism actually developed from early Christians as they started wandering away from the apostles' teaching and started creating, as we talked about this morning, authorities for themselves and creating some of these man-made religions that we even have um, still today. So Gnostic teachers claimed to have this special knowledge that other people did not have. They taught that common folks could only learn the deeper things of God from people with this special knowledge. The truth is, the Word of God was written so that all men could receive uh, saving faith through studying and through an understanding of the Word of God. Peter uh, clearly stated that we ordinary Christians have, uh, he says in Second Peter 1 verse 1, obtained a faith of equal standing with ours, speaking of himself and the other apostles. Meaning that whether you're an apostle or not, or maybe 
whether you're a preacher or an elder or someone else, we can all achieve the same level of faith um, as the uh, as the apostle the apostles did. Um, and of course, this faith, as Paul says in Romans ten verse seventeen, comes from hearing the word of God. So, the basic beliefs of Gnosticism start out. Um, Let's start here. It all starts with this understanding or belief that, not, uh, that, um, that God is good and man and matter, things, stuff, uh, is evil. They are unable to comprehend how God, who is good, could become a man who is evil. Okay, so that's kind of the, the foundation of it. God good... Man and matter, man and stuff, the world, bad, evil, right? So how can they coexist? How can they be one? How can Jesus be 100% God and 100% man if God is 100% good and man is 100% bad, right? Um, so, again, there cannot be this coexistence of those two. So they reject this idea of, God, of Jesus being both God and man. And so here are some of the basic beliefs um, related to that, that kind of foundation. The first is uh, a belief or a theological um, category of emanation. Um, Gnostics taught that the great God, who is totally good, was too holy to deal directly with mankind. And so the theory of emanation came out of this false concept. And this theory says that many lesser gods emanated from this greater God, that great and holy God, you know, the, the, the main one. And the emanated gods were not as good, nor were they as holy as the great and flawless God. They believed that one of these lesser gods was Jehovah, the God who created the world in which we live today. Of course, the Bible does not support this idea at all. This is a completely man-made concept. And in fact, you can kind of get a sense of where this this idea filters in from influence of outside cultures, such as the Babylonian culture, to, you know, if you want to go back far enough. I mean, there has been this idea of multiple gods for a very, very long time, as Dave can probably attest in some ancient writings, mainly because man can perceive God in nature. But what man perceives in nature is that this is something that I did not create, therefore something else must have done it. So we have to assign something to that to make it make sense to us. The wind blows. Well, there must be a God who's out there blowing wind across the earth or somebody with a really big fan that we can't see blowing the wind, right? So that's kind of where that concept came from. So I think Gnostics kind of tipped that from maybe even the cultures of that day, the Greeks and the Romans who had multiple gods and kind of form, formulated this um, this melding of, of these two things. So they believe that Jehovah was one of the lesser gods. Of course, the Bible teaches against this, Isaiah 44, verse 6, uh, in which um, Jehovah says, I am the first and the last besides me. There is no God. And he also says in Isaiah chapter 44, verse 8, Is there a God besides me? There is no rock. I know not any. There are no lesser gods. God is God. That is it. Period. Um, another belief of Gnosticism is, uh, uh, it's really one of their foundational beliefs, is evil. Um, 
The Gnostics claimed that the God who created the world was imperfect, and therefore he created a flawed world. Of course, this doctrine is incompatible with the creation account that we find in Genesis. Um, In chapters 1 and 2, after most of the days of creation, God said, what? It is good, right? This doesn't sound like a lesser God who created an imperfect world. Instead, it sounds like a God who created it good and how he intended to create it. After day six, God, God saw that he had, uh, everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good, Genesis 1, verse 31. So, of course, this statement completely rejects the idea that God created an imperfect world. Matter is not evil, right? The, the world, these pews are not evil. They may feel that way after a three-hour sermon, but they are not evil, right? So what is evil? Well, this is where we get into another side of the Gnostic doctrine in which man is evil. All right, that's one of those foundational principles that we talked about earlier. Um, God, the, this one God, is 100% good and man is 100% evil. Um, and because man is fleshly, man is evil from birth. However, they believed sinful man can be given a divine spirit, which I think is interesting. Um, there is no doubt, of course, as Paul details, that the time will come where all men will sin. Right? Romans 3, verse 23. All men have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. However, when God created the world, he looked at man and everything else that he had made and said, it is very good. Man was born, man was created, sinless and good. Man is born pure. God, made, uh, God gave mankind this ability to choose between good and evil. And that's what we call free will. It's only after a person grows to understand the difference between good and evil that he commits sin. And we sin because we are tempted and because we often make bad choices. And so this comes in, this brings into um, the doctrine of infant baptism and that belief. That belief of infant baptism actually originates from this Gnostic teaching that man is evil. Newborn babies and little children are not sinful at all. In fact, Jesus said, and we're going to talk about this a little bit more um, this Wednesday night as we look into this teaching that Jesus gives Uh, But he says in Matthew 19, verse 14, he says, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. Now, the Greek word that's used there for little children is the word uh, paideon, which means a little child or an infant. So if infants belong to the kingdom of heaven, they are certainly not sinners. Ezekiel wrote, The soul who sins shall die, the son shall not suffer for the iniquity of the father, nor the father suffer for the iniquity of the son. Ezekiel 18, verse 20. Evil does not come from God, but it comes from Satan and his angels. A person sins when he falls into temptation and makes wrong choices. No one is born a sinner. It started that way from the beginning of creation. Adam was not created a sinner. That's important to understand. Adam was created from the dust of the ground, and from the Genesis account, he was formed into a full man, a grown man, not an infant baby. At least I hope an infant baby wasn't going around naming animals, right? It's, it's a man. Man and woman were created, and they were created good, as, as God said. 
Um, And it wasn't until they, of course, made those bad choices in the garden in which sin entered the world, in which sin entered their lives, and they separated themselves from God. That was a choice that they made, and they made alone. All right, so that's the doctrine of man is evil. The next doctrine we're going to talk about, or next belief, is Jesus was not divine. The Gnostics of John's day denied the deity of Christ. They denied that, God, uh, that Jesus was God made in the flesh. They believed that uh, he only appeared to be a man, but was not really human. That he just kind of took on this appearance of, of a man-made form. Second um, John verse 7, uh, John addresses this. He says, For many deceivers have gone out into the world, those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh. Such a one is the deceiver and the Antichrist. There's that word Antichrist that we've talked about uh, in the past. And we'll talk more about, of course, as we go through this study. When Jesus called himself the Son of God, those who were around him listened to him. And for many, they believed that he was who he claimed to be. Look at John uh, chapter 5, verse 8. I'm sorry, verse 18, not verse 8. This was why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him, because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. So again, John, in his his, uh, gospel account, um, focuses heavily on the deity of Christ and his claim to be the Son of God. And what John points out here is that one of the main reasons why the Jews wanted to kill Jesus was because of this claim that he was making, being divine, being the Son of God. So, they believe that Jesus was not divine. Another teaching that has kind of stemmed off of that was that Jesus came in the flesh, and Christ is divine. Now, that doesn't make sense, right, in our thinking. Well, their thinking is that Jesus was the man, and Christ, the Messiah, was spirit, and they were not the same thing. Um, the, they assert that Jesus was the ordinary son of Joseph and Mary, just a regular boy that was born of Joseph and Mary in Bethlehem. In other words, born of fleshly parents, having both a mother and the father just like the rest of us which leads into the false teaching that when Jesus was baptized, the divine Christ entered into the fleshly man, Jesus. That's their belief. The Gnostic theory claims that when Jesus died on the cross, Christ left him and he once again uh, became an ordinary human being. And they came to this conclusion because they believed that God could not have died upon the cross because God is eternal. A study of Scripture, I think, shows us that Jesus, of course, was born of Mary by a miracle of God, that Joseph had no part uh, in the conception of, of Jesus or Mary conceiving a son, at least in the part of Jesus. Jesus is both God, as expressed in the opening of John's uh, Gospel account, chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, and man, as stated at the beginning of Matthew's Gospel account. So, their belief that Jesus was not divine, but that 
he became divine when Christ entered him at baptism, Scripture does not support this whatsoever. Another teaching of Gnosticism is that sin is based, or not based in, sin is ignorance. They believe that sin comes into our lives because of ignorance. Therefore, if we gain knowledge, there's that knowledge word again, then we can overcome sin. If this is true, then why do we need a Savior? Why not just overcome our sins by gaining great knowledge? Now, there's no, I'm not saying that there's, uh, that knowledge will help us avoid sin. That's true, right? There's, uh, there's no doubt that a lack of knowledge will lead men into sin. But knowledge by itself cannot bring us to the point where we no longer sin. And that speaks to what John says in 1 John chapter 1, verse 8. He says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Again, going back to Romans chapter 3, for all, sin, all men have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And we'll, we'll study more on this topic, of course, uh, in the coming weeks. Last, lastly, um, and again, this is all tied to the foundations of Gnosticism, is the, uh, the belief of special knowledge, having the special knowledge, something we touched on a little bit this morning in our sermon. But as we've noted, the, the, Gnostic claim, the Gnostics claim to have special knowledge. Um. So for others to gain this knowledge, they had to go to those who had been blessed in this special way. Um, In John chapter 8, verse 32, Jesus said, You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. John 17, verse 17. That was Jesus praying in the garden. Knowledgeable men can certainly help us to understand the truth more clearly. But these men are not the source of truth, as some believe today, even even today. There are many who follow the teachings of one specific man. The the thing that comes to my mind is, um, oh, I just lost it. It's not Alexander Graham Bell. That's the the name that's in my head. Who's uh, Billy Graham? I had the Graham part. Graham Cracker? No, Billy Graham. That's the first thing that comes to my mind, uh, where people say, you know, well, Billy Graham says this. Or Joel Osteen says this. Or Francis Chan says this. You know, people rely on the teachings of of men who claim to have knowledge. And sometimes these men claim to have special knowledge. And that was the foundation of the the, uh, Gnostics. Um, As we talked about this morning as well, the source of truth is found in the divinely inspired word of God. Um, not the uninspired words of men. Second Timothy three sixteen verse seventeen that we read this morning that absolutely applies here. For all, all Scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, etc. So we all have the ability to learn God's will from studying Scripture. We don't need we don't need men with special knowledge. We need God's word, um, and that's where we can gain knowledge. And of course, faith comes from hearing that word of God. If you can't find the basis for your religious beliefs in the Word of God, then your beliefs are not essential to salvation. If the Bible teaches something different from what you believe, you must discard your error and follow the plain and clear teachings of the Bible. The Bible is more than adequate to lead us into all truth. We talked about that this morning as well. So those are the Gnostic 
teachings, beliefs. I wanted to share that with you so that we can kind of understand where John's coming from, why he has to push so hard on this deity of Christ, something that we think, oh, that's pretty easy. Yeah, we, we get that. You know, we have the gospel accounts. But there are still many today who hold to those beliefs. That this Jesus Christ that the Bible talks about couldn't have been God. He couldn't have come down and done all of these things. That this is just a big ruse. It's all complete hogwash. None of that really happened. It's just a really well-written story. If that's the case, it is one of the largest scams ever perpetuated on mankind. And in fact, experts have gone through it and said it is statistically and it's impossible for it to have occurred um, in these ways, um, in the way that Jesus fulfilled all of the prophecies that he fulfilled and uh, all of the truths that, that we have, even outside of the Bible and history as well. So, an outline of 1 John. If you're taking notes, you can take notes. If not, again, this will kind of be our structure as we go through um, 1 John. Chapter 1 through chapter 2, verse 2. Um, is one section, and I split that into two sections in and of itself. Um, Verses 1 through 4 confirms Christ's deity, and we'll look at that next week. Um, The second part of that is uh, verse 5 of chapter 1 through um, chapter 2, verse 2, and that's talking about walking in the light. Uh, The next section, chapter uh, 2, verses 3 through 29. Again, I split this into two sections. The first, verses 3 through 17, separation from the world um, and then verses 18 through 29 talks about abiding in him chapter 3 uh, broke into two sections here as well refraining from sin which is verses 1 through 10 and then verses 11 through 24 um, covers the compelling nature of love chapter 4 um, knowing the spirit of truth uh, verses 1 through 6 and then abide in god's love verses 7 through 21 And then chapter 5 covers the topic of knowledge providing confidence. Um, And this is a different kind of knowledge, not the knowledge that the Gnostics claimed, but a knowledge, of course, of Christ, of God's word, and the confidence that it provides. Something that we kind of touched on today in our morning class about um, uh, courage and encouragement. um, That that faith comes from hearing, hearing through the word of God, and faith builds confidence uh, for one to have courage. So again, uh, as I mentioned, we will look at the first section of 1 John next week, chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, and talk more about um, John's confirmation of Christ's deity. Um, now, as, as always, you know, we want to offer up the invitation to anyone who is here who perhaps has not submitted um, to the commands of Christ to obey and believe and uh, be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. That, of course, is a foundational doctrine that uh, is found throughout Scripture, through Jesus' teachings, as well as the um, early church history that we have in Acts and beyond, as Paul goes about his uh, missionary journeys. Um, so tonight, if we can assist you with that, or if you have any other need that we can help you with, now is the time that, of course, you can come forward while we stand and sing.